I mean, if I had to or guess... Or wedding going unhinged. If I had to actually guess what it meant, I wouldn't say it was a show about coming out on spring break. I would say... Which is, by the way, actually the subject of a Lonely Island song. Yes. <laughs> I've seen that one. I love that um, one. That's their most Beastie Boys track. If I ever actually get to meet any of those people, I'll be like, so you know how you guys are three white dudes doing the rap thing? Which of the Beastie Boys are you? Actual question I will one day ask the Lonely Island. Are there three Beastie Boys? Yes! Okay. Welcome to Back in the Field. My name is Carl. And my name is Arthi, and today we're going to be talking about... Stakeout. Yes! <laughs> is that- the, uh, the potentially unnamed episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. <laughs> what neither of us remember the name of for about 15 seconds. <laughs> Untitled One. <laughs> <laughs> so Carl and I are actually going to be flying blind in this episode of the podcast because... We haven't even seen the episode. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we did that. <laughs> I, saw it tw- I saw it three times. Carl seen it twice. At least. I can only remember seeing it twice, but who knows how many times I watched it in a state of lack of knowledge. Anyway, point being, we're we're flying into this episode with no plan. Normally we make an outline and we're like, pre-show, conversation, blah, blah, blah. But fuck that noise. We're just going to start talking. But first, we want to say thank you to Latoya Ferguson over at the AV Club for being amazing and giving us that awesome shout-out in the most recent recap for Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And welcome to all new listeners who are coming over from the AV Club. Yeah, you guys are awesome. I love reading the comments. I love hearing what you guys have to say about the show. We hope that a review you read on Monday is continuing to influence you on Friday. As unlikely as that may be, our hope springs eternal. We'll be taking questions on Twitter if you want to send us some messages, or you know, you can email us at backinthefieldpodcast at gmail.com. We're happy to hear from our listeners. In the meantime, stakeout. I Okay, so I actually really like this episode, and I feel like I like it about the same on rewatch. Like, not like USPIS, where I felt like it got way better every time I watched it. I like this about the same. I laugh in all the same places. Like, I like all the character notes. I like that this is, um, it seems to be sort of a bridge episode between, like, major character arcs. Yeah, it does. Yeah. What I thought here was that, um, you know, the first time I watched it, it annoyed me, because... They successfully portrayed two annoying people annoying each other, which isn't my bag. But You're referring it, to Jake and Boyle? Who knows? Yeah. Uh, Just to be clear. For those playing along at home, I'm referring to Jake and Boyle. And for those playing along at home, that's my first, like, let's clarify the obvious for a minute yeah, yeah. here. What? <laughs> I do that regularly. Oh, yeah, if you want to keep... Okay. <laughs> Should we backtrack to the part where we summarize the episode? Oh my god, yes! We should. Before we dive into the episode, Carl, what happened in the A-plot? Jake and Charles go on a stakeout for eight days, which is twice as long as God and man intended of them. They were supposed to go for four days, but they decided to do twice as much as that to have a stakecation, which I will never, ever say again in my whole life. I mean, it ended up on the no-no list... For Boyle. Jumping ahead of ourselves, uh, it turns out that they hate each other after about <laughs> four and a half days. Turns out four days are there for a reason. And they compile a list of everything they hate about each other on the wall, which is a fucking great idea. Things devolve. Meanwhile, back at the station, 
Terry is putting together a children's book for his twin baby girls. Uh, Cat, me, and Lacey, whom I love. <laughs> the children's book is called Junebug and Cricket. It's got a bunch of very thinly veiled caricatures of uh, people around the 9-9, and Gina and Amy take this a little too much to heart. In the C-plot, uh, Holt's nephew, Marcus, is staying with him while Marcus settles into the city, I guess. Uh, turns out Rose is into it. This leads to some awkward tension between Rosa and Holt, but then ends in a beautiful, touching moment where they decide to never speak of anything ever again. That's how I've resolved all my friendships so far. Just like Rosa is, like, resolving all of her conflicts on her deathbed? Yes. <laughs> Should we talk about the cold open, which was gold? Because that is the end of the first, like, half of the season's arc. Oh, uh, yeah. I just remember what the cold open was. Sorry. <laughs> it was such a great cold open. In the cold open, Holt, Jake, and Rosa... Am I being dumb? Why did Jake get com- commended? Jake was there when they took down the... Uh, like. Jake was an officer on the scene during the dramatic bust of the uh, Oh, Jake is the one dudes. who arrested Ruiz? Ruiz, yeah. Yeah, Jake arrested Ruiz. That makes yeah, sense. Yeah, he got, he got the pivotal... He got all the pivotal breaths. He also got the middleman yeah, in Uspis. Yeah, put it together, yeah. And took him down. Did he? I thought that I was so. somebody else. Might have been the strike force. Whatever, fuck well, Who cares? <laughs> he Jake got, got metal because metal because Jake. So Jake, Rosa, and Holt receive a commendation from the NYPD for their work with Giggle Pig, much to Wunch's chagrin. Holt is, like, ready to burn her, like, on the stage in front of everyone. But Jake, in an odd moment of role reversal, suggests that instead Holt demonstrate restraint. Mostly because uh, Jake is not impressed with Holt's uh, weak-ass burns. Specifically, in this case, lunch time is over. Which is not... Like, lunchtime is over is not something you normally say to mock your foes. It's something you say to, like, a gaggle of third graders in pigtails when it's time for them to cease the eating of the lunch. Which, of course, Holt is not. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, it was pretty great. I I honestly have to wonder if they cut that. I know that they cut Hot Damn because everyone just started laughing and they couldn't get a good take of it again. I'm pretty sure that Jake was not supposed to do that dramatic head... Uh, cock thing that he did, but uh, <laughs> and, and Andy Samberg was on his last straw. <laughs> so back to what we were talking about. I like this episode pretty much the same every time I rewatch it. Like nothing improves. I notice small details over uh, now, like the wall. I love the no-no wall. <laughs> I love that. It no-no. seems like your kind of thing. It's, it's easily mined from minutia. I love it, and and I'll, we'll talk about it. But I. I, I don't really notice other details beyond, like, people's reactions in the background. Otherwise, like, I like this episode about the same. I laugh in all the same places. Like, that hasn't changed from the first airing until, like, my, like, third, second or third rewatch now. But what I do like about this episode is that it seems to do a really good job of acting as sort of the ending. Like, it concludes the Giggle Pig arc and then starts new character arcs for everyone that I think will be followed through to the end of the season. Well, which characters do you think are being picked up here? So we're going to see Rosa apparently attempting a relationship. The How armor. many episodes do they have uh, Nick Cannon for? I'm not sure, but... we got to talk about Nick Cannon after this. We definitely are talking about Nick Cannon after this. I don't know how, how many episodes they have Nick Cannon for, but I do know from the press release for uh, Beach Day, which is the first episode next year, that he might be off screen, but like part of her plotline for that episode involves him. 
Right. One of the things I, I do see coming up is uh, is something that I was actually, I think I was talking to LaToya about it on Twitter, which is that I definitely think like we're going to see a mirroring of structure from season one to season two, where like in season one, the first 13 episodes are largely about Jake like being forced to learn some lessons, and then the latter nine episodes were about those lessons coming into fruition and him actually developing character growth. We see we saw that in like how he handled Fancy Breadgum, we saw that in how he handled Unsolvable, even like as we came out of Tactical Village. I think Amy's thing at the end where she says to Terry, honestly, I really think I do need to be more not aggressive, but less of a pushover. Assertive. Yeah. Assertive. I think I think her being like I think I do need to be more assertive and like and, and I, implication of being, like, positive assertive as opposed to, like, just straight-up <laughs> bully mode Gina type. I don't think that Amy is the one being set up for growth in this season. I... If you frame it that way. I actually do think so. I think the way that they've paralleled her her narrative with Jake and, like, all the things that I was pointing out all, like, for the last, like, fucking six months of episodes. <laughs> where I was like, where I was like, I want to see Amy pining after Jake. I want to see... Like, we know from certain things we... Certain facts we know from the press releases imply that she's going to get more screen time, like, A-plots. But I also think, like... The reason I say this is because, like, it it felt too much like at the end of Tactical Village where Jake says, it makes me kind of want to take things seriously all the time. But then I'm like, boobs, fart, boobs, whatever, right? And she says, I think I really need to become more assertive. And then Gina does the, and I learned I don't have to change at all. (laughs) Like, I feel like that's the same tonal thing that they were going for there. But I feel like most of the episodes have not had anything to do with her learning anything so far this season. And if you're looking for a parallel that way, I think there's a much stronger parallel to be drawn with Holt, who is consistently fucking things up and being out of control of his emotions in the episodes leading up to now. Interesting. Uh, Around lunch, around, like, you know, various situations. He's flipped the, the script on Jake in Halloween. He's being commended. He's being put out of his comfort zone in relation to in in like connection with a relationship. Like he's been much more dynamic than Amy this season. But I I guess I have the sense that they're going to rectify that. Just like maybe maybe the stronger parallel then is Boyle. Nah. <laughs> Who in ending up with Vivian got a weird amount of character growth and development. Yeah, okay. P.S. I figured out today, not today, I figured out yesterday that I'm the boil of my office. Okay. Because my equivalent of my Brooklyn-based pizza blog is this. I'm probably the Rosa of my office. Except I get picked on way more than Rosa does. I'm way, co- I'm way quieter than most of the rest of my office. But I sometimes, like, drop the bombs. Also, I have Rosa-style intonation. What? No, I'm considering this because okay. I've never known you within that context, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm a naturally very reserved person. That part I got. Although I don't stay as reserved. On the podcast, no. You're very vocal on the podcast. Yeah. That's sort of inherently well, by design. I mean, well, there's only two people who are gonna be. <laughs> I okay. Back back to the arcs. I think. Um, I don't, maybe maybe this is me just projecting my desire to see more fucking Amy on the show. I like that actress. I like 
I think she's great. And I also think that character needs more development before we see any sort of, like, Jake Amy ship action. They've got ten... No. Well, they just... They finished filming 2.15, and we know what happens up to 2.12. So, well, we have a vague sense of what happens up to 2.12. Like, beyond that, I don't know, I just... I don't want to be like, everything's coming up Amy, but I would like for for more Amy plot lines and development, because... Oh, I'd like that, too. I just don't think it's as clear. I mean, the Brooklyn Brother thing is, is going to be more than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, and I'm but fucking proud of myself. <laughs> I don't think there's as much obvious setup here beyond that. I feel like there's as much setup for my speculation here as there was for my speculation about the Brooklyn Broiler. Sure. So, I don't know. I mean, obviously time will tell, right? Can we talk about Nick Cannon? Yeah. Uh, Par- before we started recording, um, Arthi had to give me a rundown of why everyone hates Nick Cannon, because I'd honestly forgotten he'd existed. I don't hate Nick Cannon. I think <laughs> he's, he's great. He's a vague name from my youth, I guess. I loved him. Well, I didn't Arthi love him. tried to convince me there was a movie called Drumline, in which people paid up to $8 to go into a theater to see a sports movie with no sports in about marching bands. I just, it's, I just, you can believe, you can tell me that it's real. You can show me the IMDb page, but I'm going to assume it's a long con. So I spent two weeks in marching band, and I fled, and I don't see why anyone would go to a movie about it unless they're in a marching band, which, not that big a demographic. So, one, the sports movie with no sports in it is the best descriptor of Drumline I've ever heard in my life. I mean, it sounds like one. It's super accurate. It's totally accurate. Second of all, I find, so a drum, like the percussion section of a marching band usually ends up like having a certain amount of prestige, right? Because they're yes. like we more had a easily very, heard. We had a very good drum line at my high school when we went to the football games, but no one asked to have a movie about it. From from what I understand, the, because I was, I was a choir person, right? We don't do marching choir. That, that's musical theater. <laughs> musical theater is not really about marching. Well, you know what I mean. It's choreographed performance involving your primary... No, having done marching band and musical theater, I can tell you that you need to stop. <laughs> I didn't know this about you! Oh, I wasn't very so good at either. I'm learning so much! Yes. I'm a terrible dancer. Okay. Like choreographed dancing. Okay. I'm not great at that. So I never did I never did musical theater. I was strictly I'm a terrible course. singer. So I didn't do very well musical theater. So between us, we're quite the double act. <laughs> Jokes aside, um, I actually really enjoyed Drumline. That was a great movie. Orlando Jones is in that. Shout out to Orlando Jones. I met him at Comic-Con, not this past year, but the year before. Did he troll you? No, he didn't. I met him at New York Comic-Con, and I was like, I loved you in Drumline, and I really like you on Sleepy Hollow. And he's like, so genuine and nice. (laughs) And he was like, oh, thank you. That was so nice. He seems like one of the sweetest people alive. He is so terrific. Uh, Nick Cannon. We were Nick talking Cannon. about Nick Cannon. Nick Cannon. I, you know, he was not my favorite part of all that. Obviously, that was Keenan and Cal. But I didn't hate him on that show. I thought he was pretty talented. He was pretty okay. I mean, it's a sketch comedy show, right? I can't remember him on that show at all. I, I definitely remember I watched that. all that. I watched a lot of all that. I just can't remember Nick Cannon. He appears later on, and then I think his whole th- shtick was like, Ain't no, well, no, Ain't No Party Like a Nick Cannon Party with, I think, was Wildin' Out. Okay. So he did. He later did an improv comedy show on that was like Who's Line style on MTV. Okay. And then, which was called Wild and 
Wild and Out, or Wild and Out. Nick Cannon, I think he was super underused this episode. Well, I mean, his hands weren't. <laughs> Please tell him about your hand, about your feelings about Nick Cannon's hands here. So, one of my limitations as an actor is I rarely know what to do with my hands, which indicates that I am an amateur. Clearly, Nick Cannon decided that the opposite of that is how you become a professional. Because there was no angle from his body at which his hands did not protrude. It was all over the fucking place. And all he was doing was pointing at everyone in the precinct and saying their names. I mean, maybe he'd be better with good material, but he didn't have any material. 90% of his lines were other people's names. Which, to be fair, the best lines in this episode were other people's names. But none of them were delivered by him. The best line in this episode is, uh, Detective Rosa Diaz has left my breakfast nook. Huh. <laughs> Rosa? Detective Diaz? Detective Rosa Diaz. Do we have any more feelings about Nick Cannon? I'd like to see him come back. I think it could be really funny. I would like to see Nick Cannon and Sophia on screen together. Marcus? Marcus Holt and... Wait! We, how, do we know how Marcus and Holt, I mean, they're obviously uncle and nephew, but. We don't know which side. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We don't know his last name. Right, exactly. I bet his last name isn't Holt. I don't know. I bet it isn't. Do we know anything about his siblings? We didn't even know before today that Holt had siblings. Then we know nothing. Great. Well, Nick Cannon, I do like, I think he's pretty talented. In spite I'm glad that he is the pretext <laughs> for the play between. Rosa and Holt is far and away my favorite part of this episode. It's some of the best comedic acting, I think, of this whole season. See, and I... My favorite specific things in this episode are the no-no list and Amy... Amy's Amy's everything. Anytime Amy is on screen in this episode, I was just like... Like, heart palpitations. So maybe that's why, like, I want to see her arc, like, come to fruition the way I want it to. (laughs) But also... But I get it, because, like, the... Latoya's review says something that I thought was really profound, which is that this is an episode where we walk away wanting more from the subplots and maybe a little bit less from the A-plot. Yeah. I concurred. I, I felt that way, though, this time, without feeling like the episode was, like, over full. Which I know is something that I've said before on this show. However, those times I felt like the B and C plots were pretty much, like, complete. I didn't need more. I would have loved one more scene of A. Amy and Gina trying not to be Junebug and Cricket. And I would have really liked one there more. There probably are more scenes. Those don't feel like... What I felt... I felt like that arc didn't form... It didn't have a beginning, middle, end. It had a beginning, a scene in the middle that could have been any number of scenes. And then, you know, they were an end. But, like, it, it didn't feel like it had to be those three scenes. I, I definitely would have liked more from that B plot. I really liked the C plot and could have been. I would have been really happy if there had been one more like awkward scene. No, I think that, so. I think that on the other hand, the C plot for me felt like it hit every note and only every note that it needed to. Um, there's nothing else that I think could have reasonably happened there, um, which, but it does open up a very a, a very rich. Uh, story to be told. It's just that this episode told all the story there was for this episode. So that makes me think about how, like, rather, I think we we talked about Amy, we talked about Holt, we made mention of Jake in the first season and sort of in passing also Charles, 
But, like, and we've talked in, in, I think, maybe last week's episode about Rosa. But, like, I feel like for all my, like, yeah, Amy, and for, for all of the, like, you mentioning, like, Holt, like, getting role reversed into sort of the more Jake-like role, Rosa's actually the one who's gotten the most development this season. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, this season is, a, is about quickly grooming her for command. I think that, but I think that that means that she's going to be huge in season three. I think that this is laying the groundwork for something that's going to happen a little further out. Because there was one hint in season one that Rosa was being moved towards the command role. And then there was an arc for her this season. I don't think they could do another arc like that. But I think that next season there will be a huge half-season arc that'll, that'll really advance her. That's just focused on her? Yeah. I suspect the season two finale will be an hour long because they got the bonus episode. Hmm. And historically, with The Office, I remember, like, if they got bonus episodes, it became an hour-long episode. I would actually not be surprised. What I was going to say was, if the if the season finale is, as I suspect, it will be an hour-long episode, I would not be surprised if part of the plotline, like, if Rose isn't, that the, the taking the sergeant's exam isn't part of that, like, season finale plot arc. So I think if I were to parallel her to one of these previous shows... I think she's in an, uh, an April Ludgate position. Without question. Yeah. Like, this this episode with her being like, let's never talk about anything, was straight up the, like, Ron Swanson, we, all, we still never talk sometimes joke. <laughs> like, Fal- uh, Tonks and I on Twitter were talking, and she was like, she tweeted out the picture of, of, of let's never talk about anything ever again, good. Like, she tweeted out that gif, and I just straight up responded back, with the, like, image macro of, he's my best friend, we still never talk sometimes. <laughs> like, I just straight up tweeted that back at her. Like, it's all saved on my work laptop somewhere. Good job. Yeah, I know, finger guns. <laughs> but, like... Blat, blat, blat. <laughs> no, that's black, black, black. And then this is pew, 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 pew. Oh, you're right. I fucked up. I'm now looking at pictures of Nick Cannon on the internet. <laughs> he's okay looking. I want to talk about the no-no list. I want to talk about some of the details of the no-no list. One of the things that I love on there, and I was talking about it with Falula Tonks on Twitter, is uh, Jake apparently sasses Boyle about not having seen The Wire. <laughs> and Jake compares himself, both positive and negative, to Idris Elba. Which is dead. Those two things are almost certainly both connected. Both positive and negative? Yeah. Like, because Boyle's thing is That's no... That's just a complete non... <laughs> just... It's just unworkable. No, so here's what it is. Boyle's side of the char- like, the the Jake half of the chart, as in the part that Boyle writes saying Jake's no-nos are. Yeah. Boyle says that Jake is not allowed to compare yourself to Idris Elba positive or negatively. <laughs> and and then he also says no complaining about not having seen The Wire, like in quotes. <laughs> so Jake has not only seen The Wire, but Jake is apparently an Idris Elba stan, which... Both of those things I'm 100% on board with, but I... Idris is one of the best people. He's lovely as a human being. He is aging much better than Nick Cannon. I don't think Idris has aged. Like, he looks the same as he did in 04. He's drinking vampire tears. (laughs) (laughs) So, jokes aside, though... Is that a joke? (laughs) Or is that just words? (laughs) Okay, all that aside, I... I was telling Falula Tonks that I was surprised that Jake had seen The Wire. And Rachna said to me, she said, but that totally fits with my theory that Jake has seen all cop fiction ever. And only cop fiction ever. 
I've seen Die Hard now. Yes! High five sound effect. That's awesome. Yeah, Jake's nothing like John McClane. Like Die Hard. Right? Didn't I tell you that like the entire point of that movie is him calling for Becca? The entire point of that movie is him not having shoes. It's a pretty good movie. I I, I like how uh, it's it's one of only two Die Hard movies that was intentionally a Die Hard movie. The other two were like completely generic uh, action flicks and they signed Bruce Willis and then they were like is there any reason this couldn't be a Die Hard movie? And then they were like no. There's no reason this couldn't be a Die Hard movie. It's a Die Hard movie now. <laughs> the fourth one they did on purpose. <laughs> I uh I'm glad you've seen Die Hard. Good job Carl. I love that you and I both watched that movie pretty much because of the show. Yeah. I I'd had it on my list before the show. But sure, it was on my list, but I wasn't gonna. I wasn't planning on getting around to it. Yeah, it's such a long list. People are like, "Why are you using Dara?" Like it came out the year before I was born. I'm not required to see it. When did it come out again? 1988. Oh yeah, I always forget we're the same age. Yeah. Yeah. Because you think you're older than me for some insane reason. <laughs> when reality, I'm pretty sure you're like you're what, like two months younger than me, maybe. Yes. I love that Jake has seen The Wire. I love... You're right, Jake has only seen cop fiction. No, but like... Of was, course he's seen The Wire. But like, that was the thing I wasn't sure if he had. It seems like too serious. He's seen Game of Thrones. So it's not just cop fiction. Yes. There's cops in Game of Thrones. There's guards in Game of Thrones who act like cops. <laughs> Stretching much? The Hound is totally a detective. Sure. Do you think Jake watches Sherlock, too? No. He has 0% English accent. <laughs> He's never seen a single British televisional program. I still want Emma Thompson to be his mom. That's I'm... never gonna happen. I know, but you really He's want... He's never met a British person. I really wanted to... Never met a British person. But I love the alternative he theory. He grew up in Brooklyn. But I love the alternative theory. Emma Thompson's too classy to be like, his mom. No, no, you can't have no. that kind of accent. What part of England are you even from? No. What kind of accent is no, that? And so no it gave him so much pressure that, Emma, that he, he could never perfect his English accent. If his mom were Emma Thompson, he would be from money. <laughs> Emma Thompson. I want his mom to be played by Emma Thompson. Emma Thompson has RP. There's no way she's working as like a middle class person in Brooklyn. She is like. But she can do accents because she's a talented actress. Sure, but she she's Emma Thompson does not play poor. <laughs> I know this is crazy, but that level of stunt casting would be beautiful. Like I don't like their stunt casting. Please tell me more about these feelings. I just don't... I just think they get in their own way. But I liked Wunsch. Kira Sedgwick is awesome. I mean, she's under... I, my problem is I feel like most of the guest actors are, are woefully underused. I thought that Kira, Sed, that, like, Kira Sedgwick got to a good place eventually. I didn't like her very much at first. I would um, have liked to see more of her. Like, I really wanted to see more flashback scenes with her and Holt. Maybe. I think that, uh, that like, half of their... Of their uh, stunt casting does nothing for me. I'm, I wasn't a huge fan of Ed Helms, although I don't like him that much anyway. Um, and, like, everything that happened in Broken Feather was, eh, disgusting. <laughs> um, but we don't, like, we don't care about Joe Theismann. And they're just winking so hard at us all the time. And Adam Sandler, I've long since... I long since feel Adam Sandler's lost his shine. In fact, even Sony agrees with me, given those leaked emails. 
Adam Sandler lost his shine in like 2001. No, no, he lost it uh, right around the time he did. It was before Jack and Jill. It was before... I hate that I know this. Okay, look. I loved Billy Madison. Okay. I freaking love Happy Gilmore. I don't know where any of those movies were filmed. In the I 90s. I understand that those are good movies. In the 90s. And I really enjoyed Punch Drunk Love. Like, I saw that a long time ago. I need to rewatch it. And uh, and actually, I saw a really cool conversation happening on Tumblr uh, between somebody and Blithers, where they were talking about San- Sandberg's career in relation to Sandler and Farrell's careers. Because it's natural to make those kind of comparisons between SNL alum. That is a conversation yep. for another podcast. But maybe a Q&A podcast? Hey, somebody, make sure when we do our next Q&A, you ask me my feelings about this. I feel like Sandler definitely was, like, done by the time he did Funny People, the Judd Apatow film. I, fine, you haven't seen that movie. But, like, the point... the Funny, funny People is actually really great. It's got... A young, a pre-Parks, I think, Aubrey Plaza. It's got a newly slim Seth Rogen, which is, by the way, the entire punchline for his character is that he's suddenly skinny when he used to be fat. It's really strange. It's a weird, it's a weird inversion of fat shaming. Like a weird inversion of fat shaming. But it's just, it's just fat shaming by other means. (laughs) Yes, exactly. It's really strange. Uh, It's got Jonah Hill and it's got Sandler. Funny People is a movie about about comedy and maintaining a sort of level of comedy um, where and and what drives comedians to be funny and stay funny. Hmm. It it sounds... I mean, it was came out in like 08, 09 maybe. That sounds like the plot of Birdman except with comedy instead of drama. Yeah, kind of. But it wasn't an indie... It was not an indie film either. Sure. But I think it was, it was at its heart an indie film that got a big budget... Anyway, uh, we weren't we weren't particularly into Theismann or Sandler. Period. Yep. Patton Oswalt, we we both were like shrug. I feel like Patton Oswalt was actually used really well. Yeah, Marshall Boone was done really nicely. I actually really liked uh, Jimmy Brogan as well. Like I don't. I'm he didn't. Not... He, didn't uh, he didn't plug his uh, stunt casting in my mind because I have no idea who that is. Then there was um, even um, Mary Lou Henner. Because she's like... I mean, they just seemed like very good actors doing their thing. It didn't seem like... like, But none of those people did I recognize. Yeah. I mean, I recognize Mary Lou Henner from Taxi. Okay. and Because I, I watched that in reruns on Nick and Knight when I was a kid. I shouldn't have been, but I was. Okay. Who else did they have? I mean, I really like Eva Longoria. Oh, Eva Longoria is fantastic. They're, com- they're like, committing to her character. Mm-hmm. But half the time they get these people and they're like, eh, you do something. And then the other half of the time, they, like, give them an entire episode where they're completely in charge and they're pushing all the regulars out of the spotlight. And neither of those are really working that well. But that happened in the Marshall Boone app. Sort of, but people pushed back against him, and no one could push back against Ed Helms. It's weird because, like, it's weird because the majority of these characters get paired up against Sandberg. Yep. The the rare exception is one like comedy fights. Uh, Fred Armisen is the other one, but he's been like low, like Malepnos. I love Malepnos. The less they use Malepnos, the happier I am. Yes. Well, I mean, they used him once legitimately, and they used him once illegitimately, and that's all she wrote. If Malepnos ever comes back, I'm going to call foul because. How many times are they going on door duty to the same place? Oh, wait. He moved into a hotel. I 
hate that episode. <laughs> That's true. Why are they doing door duty in a hotel and there's residents? Well, some people do live in hotels. Yeah, but one of them was Malipnos. <laughs> he doesn't have money. <laughs> He's from Leokarkikovnia. He just immigrated from Leokarkikovnia. <laughs> you know, I looked up how to spell that on the Hulu captions. Okay. And it's ridiculous. I bet. It's, 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 I thought it was near Krakigovnia, and it's Lear Krakigovnia. Yeah. I, it was spelled radically different from what I thought it was. <laughs> Lear Krakigovnia. I, I don't know. To this day, I can't even say that without dying. I don't know how he says it without dying. He's Fred Armisen. So can we do a little speculation for the latter half of the season? I've talked a bit about, like, I would like to see the back nine of this season. So, the reason I bring this up is because uh, Latoya's review characterized this episode as the winter finale. I actually disagree with that because the show is only taking two weeks off, just like us. And, um... And also, winter's not stopping. It's barely started. It's still 42 degrees outside. Yeah. I was going to say, beyond that... The world that, is ending. Uh, like, we got like five years oh, that everything's underwater. I really hope not. I like it here. Yeah, well... Uh, um, what I was going to say was, I don't feel like this is the winter finale, in part because, like, the other shows that are having legitimate winter finales, like... You know... Right, like I feel like you get a certain amount of like plot resolution and so on, and and I we get some of that. The giggle pig arc ending is could be a great indicator of this being um, a winter finale, and the, part of why I think maybe that Amy's like t- Amy Terry mentor moment there is like sort of planting the seed, or like rather nurturing the seed of Amy getting more mentorship from Terry and Holt both, uh, is because this is purportedly the winter finale. That said, I actually don't think it is. I think this show tends to think in, in I think sitcoms in general, but especially Gore Sure shows, tend to think in thirteen nine arcs, like a thirteen nine yep. split. And that's how the first season worked. Yeah. I mean when you compare this to last season, the last episode before they went on break for the holidays was Christmas. Which was twelve? Which was Safe House. Yeah, that was the Safe House episode. That was twelve and the next episode was the bet. No, no, no. Uh, it was 11 because 12 is Pontiac yes, Bandit yes, yes, and 13 yes. is the bet. Wait. 12 is Pontiac Bandit. Yeah. Yeah. So 11 so, is So, like, Christmas. 11 was Christmas. I mean, Boyle got shot in the butt, but that didn't conclude any arc. It started one that led directly to the mid-season finale. And, yeah, the mid-season finale happened 13 episodes into a 22-episode show, but, like, the bet is... The, is the halfway point. Well, we talked about, in part because, you know... They must be used to feeling like they're going to get cancelled? Yeah, I mean, well... They in, never get cancelled. In the freshman season of any show, right, yeah. you always plan for 13 episodes and hope you get a back nine. Right? Like, that's the initial order if you go to production, is 13. So, like, but I think because you... they, I think because they're trained to think that way for their, for their freshman shows, they end up holding that structure... Through the seasons. Like, mm. I I couldn't tell you this scientifically, but I feel like Parks and Rec follows that that structure a lot, too. Possibly. But um, I do think, certainly for, I think, the first couple seasons, following the 13-9 uh, structure is really easy. And, of course, this season is going to get, is going to be 13-9 plus 1, right? So, 13 plus 10. Well, y- y- well... Yeah. 
Again, I think the season finale will be a double episode, and so I think we'll get it'll it'll run the uh, production count without. Yeah, I was just doing some mental math. I think I think kind of knowing what we know about the next couple episodes, because this is because we just got two thirteen today. I think, right? Beach Beach Day. I think is this was two eleven because Stakeout is. I can't is believe they're already planning a beach episode. <laughs> They already filmed and finished it. I don't. I can't believe they're doing a beach episode. This isn't an anime. I don't think. Okay, so yeah, one accurate <laughs> and two. I, I I don't think Jake's plotline takes place at the beach. Which one's Jake's plotline? We don't know. He's not mentioned in the press release. I don't think his takes place at the beach. Maybe he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> I do believe... Maybe he dies in episode 12 of the second season. So I do believe that Sophia's third episode, third and appearance... And he's starting a new cop show in heaven. A spin-off. If they were going to spin off the show, it would not be spitting out Jake and letting the rest of the ensemble hang out. Yeah, it would. No, it wouldn't. It would absolutely not. They're like, okay, as much as we, I- we're spinning... This Andy Samberg out of his Andy Samberg pilot into another Andy Samberg pilot. It's brilliant. Hire me. I was going to say that, look, as much as I really like and respect Samberg, he can't carry a show by himself. And I don't think he wants to as a human being. No, he wants friends. I was also going to say it's pretty obvious from the back... He wants to bro out with people. (laughs) That in the back nine of last season... Uh, I think the deliberate shift away from focus on Jake's character was because of him being like, we should talk about the other people. Yeah, cool. He's He's been consistently uh, characterized Advocating. in the press. Yeah, and characterized by his colleagues as being a stronger team player. Makes total sense. He's part of a comedy group. Yeah, and like, this show is not as best when it's like, Pushing itself with a Sandberg vehicle. Yeah. Like, he made it already. Whatever. <laughs> well, Show us the rest of the cast. Not only that, but also, his, like, perpetual little brother act doesn't work without a foil. You need yeah. something to push against. Whether it's Amy and her wet blanketness, which I hate, or Holt and his, like... Wet blanketness? <laughs> dour older brother wet blanketness, which I like. Or even Terry's just, like, no-nonsense, like, please keep it together, man. Terry's no nonsense Tina Fey ness. <laughs> somebody compared, somebody called Terry the Tina Fey of the Nine Nine, or I guess the Liz Lemon of the Nine Nine, and I was like, yes, accurate, only sane man. So the reason I don't think Jake's plotline <laughs> takes place at the beach, the reason I don't think that is because the tabloid pictures that leaked from that episode inexplicably don't feature their biggest star. <laughs> Like, no, like... We, Maybe he's being attacked by a shark, which is how he gets to heaven. If you're killed by a shark, you automatically go to heaven. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't have any spec to give. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm just here for the ride. Gina and Boyle are going to get back together. They mm. better do it now. No question about that. Tons of our listeners want that, too. I fielded either a bunch of asks or a bunch of tweets about it. I can't remember, because my life has been ridiculous lately. Yep. I don't know. I I'm I want to spec and I want to talk about spec, but I also understand that like this has gone on long enough. So, audience, send us emails with speculation. Send us uh, fan art of Jake as a heaven cop being eaten by a shark. I would I would actually <laughs> really like that if you actually do that. We'll make it the like 
podcast like logo for a while or something. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be our slogan. I know one of those episodes that's coming up is Sophia's third appearance on the show. Oh no. She is appears that, by two fifteen. Is gonna be the last? No, she has a fourth coming up as well. Nice. She said on Ryan Seacrest that they extended her visit by at least one more. I hope oh, that they'll so that so it's possible that that they break up in that episode, but she comes back for trial related things in the next episode. I actually don't think they'll break up. Cool. I I suspect I suspect that since she was a late addition and since she seems to gel so nicely with this cast, if they break up, it won't be till the finale. Yeah. And moreover, I don't want them to break up because I want to see Amy's interiority. And Sophia being around is a great catalyst for that. Yeah. Just like Teddy being around, even off screen, mm-hmm. was catalyst for Jake and us getting more of his interiority. I can see them doing some kind of sure gore thing where something happens in at the end of the finale and it's not clear what anyone's relationship status is. And, and then Eva comes back, Eva Longoria comes back for S3. S3-1. So, I can see that, too. Well, where's the precedent for that? Um, it feels like, like, I don't know. I can see that flowing very easily out of, like, Casino Night-style t- shenanigans. Yeah. Well, I, I see what you're saying, because Jim and Pam were pretty unresolved, and yeah. that, like, intensity... Of- I hope they don't send Jake to Stamford for no reason, but... I I also would be really interested in... You mentioned that, like, you would like to see Rose's... S3 arc be her attaining command. Yeah. What will be really interesting is if that spurs Jake into... Tryhard mode? Slash getting... Like, th- that's what leads... Like, him going into tryhard mode, which becomes the FBI offer that we think it'll, his, he's being set up for. Hmm. I could definitely see Jake going federal. Yeah. I could definitely see Jake hating to wear suits to work every day. Oh, God. I could also see that being an excellent running gag. The reason I was thinking about this is Latoya's point about there being no Jake Amy resolution. Like, there was not even a hint of that, of any shipping, except for the Jake Charles ship that I quietly hold, like, there's no shipping in this episode, really. And I think that's part of why, that's part of why I disagree with the idea that this is the winter finale. Because I think if it really were... Just like with the bet, we'd see ships res- ships sail. Whether they ran aground or actually made it onto the ocean is a totally different game. See, I can do metaphors. Foghorn sound effects. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good, actually. Could have been worse. I've done worse. Cassio falling down a stairway sound effect. <laughs> From all of us. To some of you. This has been Back in the Field. My name is Arthi. My name is Carl. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Wait, no, hang on. We won't see them next week. <laughs> we are not seeing them next week. So we are going on hiatus. Our ass box will be closed starting from when you're listening to this until... If you're hearing this, it's already too late. They're inside the building. They're taking your asks. We're shutting down our <laughs> ass box until we return. The next episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine is scheduled to air January 4th. Our ass box will open again on January 8th. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye.